0: I was uh, watching a TV program the other day and uh, it was talking about the greatest pairs in TV history. And uh, some of the ones, uh, the greatest couples in TV history and some of the ones that they mentioned and some others that I've, I've seen also elsewhere were Kermit and Miss Piggy. Andy Griffith and Barney Fife, one of my personal favorites. Captain Kirk and Mr. Spock. That, I didn't mean that was one of my personal favorites. I meant Andy Griffith and Barney Five. Okay, I'm not a Star Trek person, but some of you are, I know. Okay. Captain Kirk and Mr. Spock. Fred Flintstone and Barney Rubble. Lucy and Ethel. Tom and Jerry. Bert and Ernie, of course. Pat and Vanna of Wheel of Fortune. All right. And You could probably think of a lot of other people, but you know, when I was watching that program uh I, you know I, and just noticing some of the pairs some of the couples that we see throughout history I, it just you know as we were going through this series and i was as i was uh, just thinking about this message it reminded me that you know even in that we see that all of us need somebody to walk with us through this life isn't that true i mean i think about this church family When New Hope first got started, God began speaking to my heart. He began speaking to Shannon's heart. And we had two kids at the time, Hannah and Josh. And we moved to New York. But you know what? We didn't start this church. God started this church. And we didn't do it as as individual people. We didn't start it on our own. Did you know? I tell you, I didn't know much about starting a church. But I knew this. I knew I needed somebody to pray for me. Before we ever stepped foot in New York, we had over 1,000 people. Wow. I still can't believe that. I didn't know anybody. I don't even know if I knew a thousand people. How did a thousand people commit to pray for New Hope before it ever got started? Did you know in the first five or six years of our church's history, as, as some of you were beginning to kind of uh, get involved and, and others of you have come since then, did you know that there were about 15 or 20 churches that came alongside of us and partnered together with us? We said, you know what, we can't do all of this by ourselves. We need some partners who can help us. And people came from all over the country. Again, you say, Robbie, man, you must know a lot of people. I don't know anybody. I don't have any connections except the biggie, amen? The Lord provided us with wonderful, some, you know, small churches, some larger churches. And, you know, just to give an example, our soccer clinic that we do every year, Okay, that soccer clinic wasn't started originally by New Hope. It was started by teams of people who came from across the country and said, hey, you can't do it yourself. We'll do it for you, and you watch. You just bring the people. The next year they said, hey, uh, we'll do it for you, but you do it with us. The next year they said, hey, we'll come and kind of help you, but you're going to do it. The next year they said, we ain't coming. (laughs) It's yours. And thank God. That along the way, He's led all of you in some way or another to be a part and to be a partner with us in what God is doing at New Hope. Well, today we're going to look at Philippians 4, verses 15 through 23. And and we're going to finish up this series called Finding True Joy by thinking about partnership. Friends, one of the greatest blessings in life... Now listen, some of you came here today looking for answers, looking for hope, looking for a word from God, and we don't always get necessarily what we're looking for. God might surprise you today with an aspect of your spiritual walk that you hadn't factored in. One of the greatest blessings of the Christian walk is having others who come alongside of you to go on this journey together with you. Amen? Today, we're going to talk about the joy of partnership. There is joy in partnering with other people. And we're going to start um, in verses 15 and 16 of Philippians chapter 4. The first thing I want to talk to you about is this. Partnership encourages the servants of the Lord. Look at verses 15 and 16. Paul says, you yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, After I left Macedonia, or Europe, where they were located, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving but you alone. For even in Thessalonica, when he had moved on, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Now, I want to encourage you to go back and read the story, the historical account, back in the in the book of Acts. Write down Acts chapter 16. If you go back to Acts chapter 16, you can see the historical accounts. uh, uh, God led someone to write down how this church in Philippi actually got started. God led the Apostle Paul there. He was working on some people's heart. And this is how that church got started. But apparently, after that church was started, Paul's role, Paul's primary calling was what we call a church planter. Okay? He didn't necessarily, now he did some pastoring type of things as he worked with those churches, but he didn't necessarily have, uh, it doesn't appear, that calling as much to be a pastor and to stay long-term with congregations. His calling was more to go to plant churches, to raise up leadership, and then to move on to plant other churches. And as Paul did that, coming out of the church in Philippi, it appears from these verses and in other places in God's Word here in the New Testament, that this church had helped Paul financially with his ministry. And he says here that they were the only church to do that at that time. Now, I want to point out the word that he uses here. Paul says, After I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving. Now, that's what it says in my New American Standard Version that I speak to you out of. But actually, does anybody have the English Standard Version? Anybody out there have that? Okay, what does that say, Butch? No church, no church entered into partnership with me. That's actually a very good translation. Actually, the word, if you want to underline it, it's the word Fellowship. It's a very important word in our relationship with God and one another. Some of you may have heard that you'll hear in church sometimes this Greek word koinonia, okay? That's where we get the word fellowship. It means basically that we are together, okay? And every time I think of fellowship, I think of this. I don't know, my hands just do this. I don't even have to think about it. If I if I dreamed about fellowship, my hands would do that, okay? It's just that's the picture in my mind of fellowship is connection. We're together. Maybe the way we would say it is we're on the same page. We're on the same team. We're working together. And so many times you'll see it fellowship or you'll see it sharing. But also I think a great translation is participation with one another. Or really a great translation is we are partners together. That's really why you've heard us here at New Hope start talking less about membership and more about partnership. It's because partnership brings a lot greater, closer idea of really what the New Testament says we're supposed to be doing together. Now, how do you think it would have felt to the Apostle Paul to be out there sticking his neck out, going all over the world, trying to serve God, and all the different things we know that are recorded that he went through. How do you think it would have felt to him to know that there was a church that cared about him, that knew what he was doing, and that partnered together with him? You think that would have been encouraging? I can't help when I think about it. I can't help but think about the Gordons in Thailand. We've got a group of five people that are heading over in just a few weeks to go over and to help our missionaries in Thailand. We've went over every year that they've needed us. We've went over to Thailand to help them with the work that they're doing. Why do we do that? Because, listen, friends, you know, many times we think about missionaries as kind of just like some angelic beings, you know, that they just, you know, they came from their mother's womb just like godly and with halos, and they're just like so much closer to God than than me. Well, I've spent time with Jeff Gordon, and he ain't angelic, all right? <laughs> Especially his driving. <laughs> okay, but that's a whole other story. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just picking on Jeff if you're watching online. I love you, brother, all right? But, <laughs> but you know what? I, I'm sure the Gordons would tell you we're just regular people. We, we, we were here at New Hope. We were sitting in the same seats that you guys are sitting in. We were serving God. We were getting involved. God was, we were loving the Lord and growing and serving Him. And all of a sudden, God tapped on their heart and said, I want you to go somewhere else. God's going to do that to some of you in this room. You're like, oh, I'm going to tune out right now because I don't want to hear that. God's going to knock on the door. He's going to tap the shoulder of some of you and say, I want you to go somewhere else. Wouldn't it be awesome? Wouldn't it be encouraging to know that you were not alone in that? That you were sent out by your home church, that they cared, that they prayed for you, that they would not forget about you over the years, even though they didn't see you visually all the time? You know, many times we think about international missionaries, but, but I think sometimes, and, and, and well we should... But, you know, sometimes we only think about international missionaries. There's a lot of missionaries here in North America that are serving God, that are making sacrifices, and they depend on our partnership. I think about our Awana missionaries. I think about our Word of Life missionaries. I think about our North American missionaries through the Association of Churches that we work with. We've got many missionaries in Vermont and, and New York all over this year within a two-hour two radius, many missionaries that are serving as pastors and church planters. And did you know that many of those men and their wives, they gave up, Lucrative careers to give their life to that. Y- y'all remember Pete Schultz? Y'all remember Pete, who came a few years ago and spoke at our World Missions Conference? Pete is a very was a very successful businessman. I mean, he was good in banking. He was good at uh, company startups. Very successful businessman, and God called him. He's a wonderful pastor who's who's being involved to to as a catalytic uh, pastor to start many churches in his area. Wouldn't it be awesome for him to know that, you know, I've left some things behind, but, but God's still with me? And you know how I know? Because New Hope and other people, other believers are encouraging me and supporting me and behind me. Wouldn't that be good to know? If you had given up some of those things and given your life to serving the Lord, that you're supported. Anybody ever seen the uh, Undercover Boss or the uh, Millionaire, the Secret Millionaire shows? I think both of them actually come on Sunday nights, okay, both kind of have the same premise, uh, uh, premise, the undercover boss is kind of, there's this big corporation, I mean, think of any corporation you want to there's probably been one of them on there, this big corporation, and, and the head dude, the head honcho, the, the big kahuna, he says, you know what, I want to get to know the people that are on the ground in my company. And so what he does, and actually the, 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 the disguises are kind of lame a lot of times. I mean, he's kind of got a toupee on, you know, and kind of you know glasses with a big nose and a mustache. And, and he goes and he gets on the assembly line and, and he starts, you know, stacking things. And, and he just gets right in there and he doesn't let anybody, it's all a secret. And he stays there with his workers maybe over like a day and then he goes to another place for a day. Then there's this other show called Secret Millionaire where these millionaires say, you know what? We've made a lot of money and we kind of feel like we want to kind of get to know how we can give back. And so they go to Detroit or Cleveland or Atlanta or San Antonio or some other large city across the country, Los Angeles. And they say, I want to dig around and I want to find somebody who's doing something good and needs some help. And they just go there and they just start serving. They, they, They don't let them know that they're a millionaire. And at the end of that show, that person says, hey... I just want you to know that I've been helping you this week, but I've got a little secret. I'm a millionaire. I've made a lot of money, and I want to give back to someone. And and I've noticed you, and I see the good work that you're doing. I believe in it. I want to invest in it. I want to send your kids to college. I want to pay off a bill that you have. I want to send your family on a vacation. Wouldn't that be awesome? Are you serious? Are you, can I really cash this check? Wouldn't that be encouraging to know that someone noticed what you're doing and to encourage you to keep pressing on? Our, uh, uh, our team that's getting ready for Thailand, two people have already told me that they've had someone from our church family, different people, I don't even know who they are, but they have had people walk up to them and say, I believe in, in what you're doing and going to Thailand and I want to be a part of it and I want to help you to pay for your trip. Isn't that awesome? To say, you know what, I don't feel called to go this year. Or, or I can't go this year, I can't get time off. But you know, money wasn't really the issue for me. I have the money, I can afford it. And you know what, I, I believe I could probably help you out. And so I want to do that. You know, the person's like, are you serious? That's the only thing I was worried about. I mean, I, I got the time off. My spouse said they felt good about it. I got the kids taken care of. The only thing I was worried about was the money. Are you serious? Isn't that encouraging? That brings great joy. That brings great affirmation. I thought God was good. And sure enough, He is. Amen? You know, because of the demands for attention that we have in our life, so many people kind of just asking us for getting involved and helping. Sometimes we we sort of, in America, we sort of build up a wall or we build up a defense, almost an automatic reason why I can't get involved with others. And certainly we should be smart about that, right? You can't do everything. You can't be involved with everybody. But you and I, if we're going to be followers of Jesus, need to partner together with other people to do God's work in some way. And if you will do that, you will bring breath. You will bring wind into their sails. You will bring breath into their lungs, a breath of fresh air that will be joy to them. And I guarantee you, friend, you'll receive more joy than they ever received from you. Secondly, look at verses 17 through 19. This is kind of cool. The Bible says that partnership encourages those people that are serving God as his servants. But secondly, partnership is recognized by God. You know, many times people minimize the need or the importance of a church family. And I understand that. Some people have had bad experiences and they say, you know, I don't go for that because of what they've experienced. Are. Some people are just kind of want to be lone rangers and do their own thing and not be involved with other people. But if you are going to follow Jesus, you're going to quickly see and experience that being connected and in partnership with others who are following Jesus is very near and dear to his heart. Look at verses 17 through 19. Paul says, Not that I seek the gift itself, But I seek for the profit, or the fruit, which increases to your account. But I have received everything in full and have an abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent. A fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God will supply all your needs according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Here's how much... Us partnering together is important to God and is noticed by Him. Right now, first of all, it opens up His ability to bless your life and my life. In verse 17, there is actually financial language. It's actually the second time that we've seen. Actually, all throughout verses 15 through 23, there are specific accounting and financial terms that were used back during that day. The Apostle Paul is using that for a reason. He's using banking language. And we're going to bring that out here in just a moment. Paul says, listen, I want you to understand, I'm not commending you for supporting my ministry financially because I'm excited, you know, I want to encourage you to give me more gifts. Paul said, I'm just glad to see that you're doing things like this because I know that doing things like that is something that God is going to recognize and to bless you for. Now, the wording that he uses here is, he says, Not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. Again, this is financial language, and I think the Apostle Paul is actually trying to do this to make it very practical and very real. It's almost like Paul is saying, when you get involved with God, God makes deposits into your checking account. That's pretty real to me, Amen. Now, wait just a minute. I ain't talking about, if you get in, involved with God today and you check your banking online tomorrow morning, that you're going to have more money in there, okay? I see this guy on TV. I tell you, the other day I was slipping through. I told my kids, I said, watch this. Every 30, I guarantee you, every time I come back to this guy, within 10 seconds, he's going to say seed, okay? Plant a seed, sow a seed, plant a seed, send a seed, okay? You know what that is? That's garbage. That man is trying to get you to literally put money in his checking account. Okay now that's taking advantage of the Lord and his people, okay? There is a principle of sowing and reaping. The people twist that thing for their own advantage. I'm not telling you that if you are a follower of Jesus that you're literally going to get more money in your banking account. You might I have before amen anybody? you might, but you might even get better than that. The Bible is saying that 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 God sees it as we've got this spiritual bank account and God rewards those who have a heart to partner with those who are serving him. That could be in this life or in the life to come. There is a principle in the Bible that God blesses us when we give generously, when we support the work that he's doing, whether financially or in other ways. There's a principle in the Bible of reward. Did you know that? Now let's be careful about something. We're not saying that you have to do good things, and if you do, your bank account gets better with God, and then when you stand before Him one day, maybe that'll be enough to pay for heaven. Many churches have twisted the message of the Bible to come across that way. That is not the truth. The truth of the Bible is the only way I'm getting into heaven is that Jesus, (laughs) He gave me His account, all right? It's not Robbie Pushing up his account, is that Jesus said, you can have my account, all right? I'm only getting into heaven by grace through trusting what Christ has done for me. But once you trust Christ as your Savior, God says, listen, why don't you use the things of this world in such a way that you go ahead and send it on ahead? I'm going to heaven. I live in an apartment right now, but one day I'm going to live in my house, okay? My permanent home, amen? Why don't you go ahead and send things ahead. Again, the principle of giving generously being blessed is taught all over Scripture. Let me give you some verses. Proverbs 11, verses 24 and 25. Proverbs 22, verse 29. Luke 6, 38. And 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Now, I hesitate to give you a long list of Scripture because you kind of think that they're all just kind of general and you don't look them up. I gave you four Scripture because they all are pretty home run on this. But let me just read one of them to you. Proverbs 11 verse 24 and 25 says, there is one who scatters and yet increases all the more. And there is one who withholds or keeps back what is justly due and yet it results only in want. The generous man will be prosperous and he who waters will himself be watered. The Bible says when you are used by God to partner with his servants. God notices that, and it allows him to bless you. Secondly, it helps his servants to accomplish his purposes. In verse 18, the Apostle Paul, listen to what he said. He says, But I have received everything in full and have an abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent. What Paul says, again, he uses financial language. He says, I have received everything in full. That was the way, it was truly, in that day, that's what they wrote across uh, accounts that had been paid off. What do I say? The three best words in the English language are, you say, I love you. Well, I guess that's a good one too. What I, would, what I was getting to was paid in full. I love it across my mortgage, I guess, one day. I love it across the car payments. I love it across my spiritual account. Amen. Paul says, you know what? I have received everything. I'm Another way of putting what he said here is, I'm filled to the brim. There's no room for more. Now, let me just kind of share with you what he's saying here. Have you ever been working on a project, men, and just needed that one tool? I mean, it's like, here I am in the middle of this thing. I got everything torn apart. And sure enough, I got to go to Lowe's or Home Depot. Amen? By the way, ladies, this is why it takes us so long, all right? <laughs> we just don't have the equipment, all right? <laughs> okay. You ever been working on something that say, I just, I mean, I could do this thing. I just need that tool. That's the idea that Paul is coming across in this passage. You know what? I want to do the Lord's work. I am doing the Lord's work. I just need, and one pastor put it like this hand me another brick. I'm building the wall. Can somebody hand me a brick? You know what? I want to be that person that says, here's another one. Don't even, don't even turn your head back. Just keep building. Amen? That's what Paul said. Like. He said, like, I got enough. What you guys sent. What if we think about our missionaries that we're serving. What if they said, you know what? We've got a need. We've got something we're trying to work on. We've got some ministry that we're trying to figure out. And all we need is this resources. And then what if they came back to us and they said, you know what? What you guys sent to us, what you did for us, it was exactly what we needed to get the work done. Isn't that great? That missionary says, oh, I just want to serve God and you help me to do that. There's joy happening in their heart. And then you say, oh man, I got to be a part of God's work. God notices that. Number three, though, in verse 18 it says, when you do that, it is a pleasing offering to our Lord. Look at what it says. A fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. What Paul does is he pulls from Old Testament sacrifice language. Okay, and, and the idea that they would have went in, they would have made a sacrifice, and sometimes maybe with a burn offering or something like that, that, that maybe that smoke would rise up. And what that person was saying is, God, it wasn't that they were making the offering. It was that their heart was to give to God. Lord, I love you, and, and I give this offering to you. Imagine this image, okay? Now, God doesn't have nostrils, okay? Sometimes uh, God uh, speaks to us in such a way, it's called, the long word is anthropomorphism, okay? It just means that God puts himself in human terms so we can understand him better. Here's what he says. He says, when you do this kind of thing, that rises up to me. Oh, wow. Wow, Robbie, that is beautiful. Isn't that a great image? That I brought pleasure to the heart of God, God recognizes when I get serious about helping His servants do His work. What an image! And then uh, the last part of verse in verse nineteen, it gives us the promise of His provision. You know, we worry about helping others because I kind of need some help myself. Amen. Isn't it that way? But God says. Paul says, Listen, don't worry about that. My God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Okay, um, one day I'm going to have some thunder queued up, all right? Because there are verses that need a little bit of a boom. Wow. Hey, God. If I get passionate about partnering with and helping others, well, what about me? who's going to take care of me? Am I going to be all right? Paul says, oh, let me just tell you. My God will supply all your needs in proportion to what? How? How's he going to do that? According to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And I think Jesus has a little bit. Amen? It's like limitless. I don't know, when I began thinking about that, I just began to think about how I have been limiting God. I'm still learning how to not limit God, are you? To trust God, that he has my back when I trust him. Someone, a great example of this, uh, I was talking with someone last week, and they were talking about how God was working in their heart and sort of stirring on their heart to take a big step of faith. And this person said, you know, there's lots of pieces that go to it. and, And one of them that I'm just tempted to worry about is that the house has to sell. But you know what, we just have a real peace about that because we think that's the least of our worries from God's perspective. Now wait just a minute, that sounds good at church. But actually the house selling is one of the most of my worries, right? If I was taking a big step of faith and needed to consider, amen? Wouldn't it be a biggie? But this person said, you know what, I'm pretty sure God can take care of that. I think they were on the right track. If God is in this, then, okay, Lord, I'm really interested to see what kind of a real estate agent you are in this market because you're going to have to sell a house. Think about it, friend. When you begin partnering with God, he begins recognizing what you are doing and all these things. It opens up his ability to bless you. It provides his servants with the resources they need, the encouragement they need. It's it's an offering that God says is pleasant to his nostrils, and it gives us the promise that God is also going to take care of us. Let's look at the last thing in verse 20, though. In verse 20, partnership brings glory to God. It says, Now to our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. You may have heard me read some verses like this before, but there are passages, sometimes... You ever find when you write an email, sometimes it doesn't come across, print doesn't come across sometimes, right? Kind of like speaking, like personally talking on the phone. Well, I sort of find that with verses like this, and the only way I could describe it, I mean, to me, it's like, uh, now my son Josh plays drums, I... I don't know if it's in me one day he can teach me how or it's just kind of one of those things that I just I, I think I'm great and, and I'll get it one day and, and I'm just a wannabe, okay? So I, I don't know if I'll ever play the drums or not, but I'll just let Josh play them. But, but I could just see myself in this, it, with this verse if I knew how to play the drums. Now to our God be the glory forever and ever. <laughs> Bam, I want, the, I want to hit that one. Amen! I said, man, I never saw that in that verse. I really think that's what Paul is doing right there. That's the tops. That's, that's, that's hitting the pinnacle there. Some people call it the doxology. It's a word of glory. It's a message of glory. I wonder if you went into a restaurant... And somebody uh, said to you, um, hey, you know, we're finishing up our meal, and we've just kind of been observing your family, and, and, and you know, we just kind of noticed when you walked in that the, the older kids helped the younger kids, and that everybody was polite and, and, you know, weren't loud and disruptive or whatever. If somebody said that to you and said, you know what? I just wanted you to know, we noticed that, we were impressed by that, and that's a real reflection on you as their parents. Well, after they got the smelling sauce out, you know, you got off the floor, Wow, miracles do happen today. Wouldn't that be an awesome thing? I wonder how often God gets those kind of compliments about his children. And that's no reflection on his ability as a father. But it should motivate us to act better as his children and to work more together. Amen? Friends, listen. At the end of the day, it's it's hard to do this life thing together. It's, have you ever tried to partner together with anybody on anything? It's hard to agree about much with anybody, right? At the end of the day, we've got to have Paul's perspective. This is hard, or I don't want to do it, or this is not the way I would do it, or this is not what I think, but... But God, I just want you to be beautiful. I just, when they look at us, here we are. We're at the restaurant. We're at Friendly's. We're going to order. People look at us and say, wow, you guys, you are pretty well behaved. Who are your parents? Now to him be the glory forever. That's worth it. That work is worth it to me. Amen? I want Jesus to be beautiful. Let's see, that's really our bottom dollar is. We want him to get glory. And listen, friend, let, let, here's what you're going to get out of it. When God is glorified, everything else works right. Your life is going to be most blessed when God is most glorified in your life. You were created to bring glory to this great God. The most contentment and fulfillment in your life is when He is getting that out of your life. Isn't it amazing how God has it all wrapped up? He he gets the honor and the glory which He deserves and then He gives to us the great blessing of being a part of it and the fulfillment that we get as a result. As we wrap up this series on joy, I want to ask you to think about Why is it that God put me here to hear what we've been going, what we've been studying through together? Remember I shared with you that one of the key words throughout the book of Philippians is a word that can be translated mindset, thinking pattern, or maybe that would communicate better with us, attitude. It goes all the way through Philippians. Maybe there's somebody here that's a follower of Jesus and you've got a pretty sour attitude. And God wants to say to you, what's going on there? What's, what's not lining up? I came to give you joy. Has he spoken to your heart over these last weeks about some aspect of you reflecting more his work in your life? And would you say, you know what? I've sort of put that off. I've sort of been waiting But I just want to share with you, after today, we're finishing up Philippians. We're going to move on to something. We'll come back to joy. We'll talk about Philippians. But I'm just saying, in terms of this emphasis right now, we're going to move on. So if God has your attention about your attitude and your experience of the life that he wants to give to you, now would be a great time to let him deal with that. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Ali, this is all so overwhelming to me. It's like drinking from a fire hydrant because I... I've never heard this stuff, friend. Listen, we just want you to know all of us in this room feel the same way, amen? We're just learning. We're just growing. And don't try to figure it all out today. Just say, Jesus, if there's one thing I do know, it's that I need you. And today, I surrender. I don't know how to have joy. I don't know how to live this life. I I don't understand all that Pastor Robbie's talking about or what this is going to mean for my life, but I know you are God. And I am not, and, and I'm sorry for the things that I've done with my life that are, that are against what you had for me. And Lord, I know that I need you to forgive me. Oh, just like that precious person who shared with me out in the foyer that they had given their life to Jesus this week. What joy they had on their face. God wants to release you from having to do it yourself. That's why he came to be our Savior. Would you bow with me as we think about what God is saying to us? Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you personally for what you've been doing in my heart. Specific times over these last few weeks when there were circumstances that might have threatened joy happening. Thank you for the supernatural power and strength that you've provided. For the reminder by your Holy Spirit. For the ability to experience that joy. And yet I'm still growing. And so I thank you for continuing to speak to my heart. And I pray for each one of us, Lord. We're all at different places. But I pray that you would meet us where we are. And help us to get where you want us to be. And in these next few moments, Lord, before we wrap this up. Before we walk out these doors and life begins to hit us again that we'll make some decisions that will make a real difference in our attitude, in our walk with you. If there is somebody that needs Jesus and doesn't know, isn't sure how to take that step, I pray that they would allow us to help them today. In Jesus' name, amen.